Okay, this morning we're just gonna we're gonna do this a little bit differently. So it's gonna take it's gonna take a, a good amount of of concentration. And concentration when we come to hear the word is just a matter of us being entreatable. Being available for God to reveal the facts and truths, the certain facts of his love that are ours in Christ. They're all of are already ours. And all we have to do is receive them. You see, because the Christian life is not due. Because that's the law. The law says do in Deuteronomy 4, 1 and 2. It says do and live. But we have Christ, and Christ has finished the work in John 19 and verse 30. It's, it's receive the life that is yours. And we're so thankful for that uh, this morning. But this morning we're going to go into, it's almost like these, the way that, that God has brought this uh, for us this morning is the way we would do it normally, like in a, truthfully, in a class. So we may call it a class, but the fact of the matter is God calls it that when two or three are gathered together in his name, and that's Matthew eighteen twenty. there he is in the midst. That's why the Bible always teaches us we don't go to church. We are the church. It's Matthew 16, verse 18. Christ said, I will build my church. That's who you and I are. So the word church is synonymous with the word body. We are the body, flesh and bones of Jesus in Ephesians 5.30. We're the one body in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13 that are made up of individuals in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27. But we're also the bride of the bridegroom in Revelations 19, verses 7 and 9. And because of all these precious truths that are ours in Christ, because he's made, God has made himself so available through our precious Savior and the power that we have, the Holy Spirit, to experience it, we have so much to be thankful for. But again, we're going to bring it this way. We're going to hear some things that... And what I want to do, and what God wants to do when I say that, is bring these out to us so that when we read, God wants us to have an understanding. And I thank God for translations, but there's so much more in the original Koine Greek New Testament. And so because of that, it's for us to understand so that when we do read these translations, we can have the mind of Christ to understand it in a greater depth. See, because so the greater the depth, the greater the dependency. The greater the dependency is the greater the love that we experience. So I'll just read these and then we'll, we'll just trust God for this. And uh, I trusted him for it this morning. I had to. <laughs> I had to because the fact of the matter is, is the Bible makes it very, very clear to us that the Holy Spirit is the only theologian and scholar that there is. That's not something that man is in himself. If you even think of the word theologian, the word theo is, or theos or theu is God. And log, logian or logian is word. <laughs> and in John 1 word, in John 1 1, Christ is the word. So it takes God to reveal God. Now he's chosen to do so through men, yes, but he's not the scholar. Okay, he's not the skull. The Holy Spirit is. And, the Holy, and that's made very clear in 1 John 2.20 and in 1 John 2 and verse 27. It's crystal clear in the scriptures. Now, here we're going to get into 1 John uh, chapter 4. And I'm going to read the first uh, 
140 verses. No, there's not really that many there. So in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Beloved. And that's who we are. What does God want us to be today? Be who? Be who he's made us to be in the son of his love. What? Beloved, because that's who we are. <laughs> Beloved, believe not every spirit. Now, why does it say that? Because we know that in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us the spirit of what? Fear. Fear, but of power and love and a well-disciplined mind. The reason that this is brought out here, believe not every spirit, is again, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear in 2 Timothy 1.7. Because fear, he that fears is not experiencing what love has completed, God has completed about him in Christ. This is 1 John 4, verse 18. That's why there's no fear in love. There's no phobos or phobol. There's no fear in love. There's nothing to fear in God's love for us because he's dealt with everything, you see. And so there's no fear in love, and he that fears is not experiencing what God has completed about him, you see. And because fear has, what, torment. The word torment in the original Koine Greek New Testament is kolasis, K-O-L-A-S-I-S, kolasis. And it means torture or punishment. Now, Jesus Christ on Calvary was, was in this sense punished for all of our sins. And when we receive that fact, and that he finished it, that he propitiated the Father, became our substitute, and then we become reconciled, then is there any fear in truly who we are in God's sight? None, because he sees us in, in his Son. That's why Job 36 and verse 7 says, he, he never removes his eye from the righteous. That means he never, not, he never sees us outside of the love that he has for his Son with us in him. And so there's no fear. So, beloved, believe not every spirit, but try, test the spirits, whether they are of God. Now, who is God? We're going to see in, in 1 John here in this chapter, verses 7 and 8 and verse 16, that God is love. Maybe we have heard, maybe we have heard that, that, some, that there is love apart from God. The Bible makes it crystal clear. There is no love other than who God is. Love is not God. God is love. And so, whether they are of God, because there are many false prophets under the lie of the liar, Satan, in John 8 and verse 44, and in 2 Corinthians 11, 14 and 15, Satan is an angel of light, but is he really light? In Matthew 6 and verse 23, no, he's not. Because many false prophets, those that function under, the, under Satan, are gone out into the world. Hereby know you the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses. Do you see? You see that word, confess? Every spirit that confesses that Jesus is, is come in the flesh is of God. Now I want to make this clear. I can profess many things. See, I can declare, I can read this Bible, and I can declare it to you. But am I experiencing the reality of it? That's why it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, only those that are in Christ can confess what he's done about their sins. That will always involve 
in a very beautiful sense, in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10, a godly sorrow which never has regret. Worldly sorrow does. Worldly sorrow makes it so important to have very precise, crystal clear teaching in the Word of God. You see, again, I can tell you, I gave it as an example. A man wants me to do certain work, and he was asking me to pick, what do you think about these? I said, the best thing you can do is take your wife to actually go there and look at them and feel them and pick what type of flooring you want. Because I gave the example. It's one thing for me to declare. I can declare about Italy, but if I haven't been there, have I really experienced it? See, that's the difference between professing something and actually confessing it. See, because confession, proper confession is a proper experience based upon the fact of knowing that your position is in Christ because he's in you. I can profess all kinds of things. I can. And that's why it says in 1 John 3 and verse 18, you know, and again, when it talks about love, right? It's not what I say that reveals what I experience. It's how I live. It really is. Love not in word, it says there in 1 John 3, 18. Love not in word, speaking it, declaring it, or in tongue, in any kind of language. But in deed, notice that, and in truth. And that's what John 3, verse 16 is saying. God so loved the world, the whole mass of humanity. The world is the whole mass of humanity. That he gave his only, uniquely, one-of-a-kind begotten son, that whosoever would receive him, To them he would give what kind of life? Everlasting? No. The Greek word is zoe, eternal life. Life that had no beginning but will have no end. You see, we have a brand new beginning in Christ. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 17. Old things, old things are not, for those that are in Christ, are not in the process of passing away. It's a past tense Present active participle. We'll get into all. Just simply means that that it's already done. Everything about us is done in Christ. So, again, hereby know you the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come. And, and, And remember, he came in a human nature. He never had a sin nature. See, the difference is, every one of us were born with a sin nature. That's Psalm 51, 4 and verse 5. Psalm 58, verse 3 says, as soon as they're born, the babies, they come out speaking lies because of that fallen nature. So we are created with an everlasting life prior to receiving Christ as our salvation. And when we do, we get a brand new beginning. That's the Greek word zoe, eternal life, the life that Christ is and that he's given us in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11. That eternal life is Christ. In the flesh. So Jesus, he had a human nature, but he never had a sin nature because he had to be the spotless lamb that would fulfill all those Old Testament sacrifices. And if you look at them, and you can look at them in Exodus 12, 1 through 13, you can look at them in Numbers 19, 1 and 2, and you can look at them in the book of Leviticus, all the offerings, and it had to be without spot and without blemish. That means that Christ was born with a human nature. He could hunger, he could thirst, he could experience rejection, pain, and hatred like no other human being could, really. Yet without a sin nature. 
And that's brought out in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, where it says, yet without sin means sin nature. He never had that. So we see here very clearly in the scriptures here this morning that that is come in the body is of God, flesh, the body, human nature. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, and who wouldn't want that to be revealed? But the liar, the enemy, the lies against truth, the father of all lies, a murderer from the beginning in John 8 and verse 44. He is not of God, of here, listen, in very, very simple language, of, it simply means constituted of the exact same substance. When we receive Christ, we receive what's of God. He's the source of it. We aren't. But we're constituted now of that substance. And how many Christians know truly who they are already in Christ? Do you know that once we receive Christ, no matter what our past was, he doesn't treat us after it? He treats us in Christ. That's what Job 36 verse 7 says. He never removes his eye from the righteous. And in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 30, Christ is our righteousness. And that's why it says in Psalm 11 and verse 7, the righteous Lord loves righteousness. Okay. He loves his son who became the source of our righteousness, but he loves us when we receive the fact that he is our righteousness. Isn't that awesome? This is so great love That's talk- that it's talking about in John 3 and verse 16. So here, again, okay, this is, this is that spirit of Antichrist. Antichrist, against him. Where have you heard that it should come and even now already it is in the world? Boy, we're experiencing that now like we never have. It's already in it. If it was written here, this is early first century when God the Holy Spirit had the beloved apostle, the one in John 13, 23, who would lay his head on Jesus' breath, <laughs> had him write this early first century. And what is it now? Whew. How close we are. Not in the negative sense. No, no. No, we're in Christ. We're safe, secure. You see, the thing about God, the fact that God is love simply means this. And when God loves us, what is he doing? He's always protecting us from everything. And this is Romans 8, 31 to 39. Really, Romans 8, 1. If you can't condemn me, Romans 8, 1, you can never separate me from who God is, his love. And that's 35 through 39 in in Romans, the eighth chapter. So if you can't condemn me because Christ took that and bore it and dealt with it, then can you separate me? This is positional truth, yes. But what is my experience? You see, that's the difference. I I can stand up there and profess this Bible, tell you in the Greek and Hebrew and memorize the whole Bible and declare it unto you, but yet I might not experience it. Because I'm going to tell you why. Because natural intellect has nothing to do with the grace of God Almighty. He's not looking in any of us for anything. Because Christ is everything. You'll see that in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And you will see that Christ is, is everything, that everything about him was created by him and for him in Colossians 1, 15 and 16. And listen, he has the preeminence in Colossians 1 and verse 18. That's why in 1 Corinthians three twenty one we don't glory in men. <laughs> 
Listen, the natural man in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, the natural man, listen to this, and this can be a Christian and without the proper experience. Listen, the natural man receives not the things of God because their foolishness unto him, because with the pride and intellect of natural knowledge, their foolishness unto him, neither can he know it because they're spiritually discerned. Who does God give grace to? You, th- you and I think we can make, as Christians, make any adjustments in this evil world system apart from grace. And who does God give grace to? And by the way, can I separate grace and truth from who Christ is in John 1 and verse 14? Who's the fullness of grace and truth? Can I separate it? Who does God give grace to? Those that he's humbled. That's right. He has to humble the pride of natural intellect in every single one of us. That's the difference between professing something and actually, in the freedom and rest of his life, experiencing it. Experiencing it. That's why we have to grow in grace and knowledge. Listen, so in James 4 and verse 6, it says, God, Theo, Theo or Theos, God resists. The word resists there in the Koine Greek New Testament is anti-tasso. God resists the proud. Can God resist the pride of the flesh that's in me that I'm not of in Romans 8, 9? Absolutely. I can declare it to the cows come home and prop myself up like I'm something special. Fact of the matter is, we are all found to be guilty in Romans 3 and verse 19. The only way to make that adjustment proper, the only may, the way to make the adjustment from the positional truth that we are in Christ to enter into the experience is God resists the proud. Proud there is hooper, hooper of phanos. Hooper above phanos. Putting yourself up above everybody with your intellect to be able to share the Bible in the most special way. That's hooper of phanos. Yourself above the word. The body of Christ, Christ himself, huperophanos, God resists the proud. But, the word but there is a contrasting conjunction. There's a contrast, the proud, but God. There's the contrast. The proud, way up here, oh, look at this person. And then God, God resists the proud, but he gives greater, my zona, Karen, grace, to those that he's humbled. You know the plan of, I can always tell when I'm functioning in the plan of God, which is the equal of his will, which has to do with his word. You know how? I'll be humble. Because that's who he gives grace to. Not declarative knowledge. No. That's why the Bible teaches us, and God has taught me, and he has to continually do so, add I have never given you or another man or woman a gift to exalt them in the flesh above anybody, but to humble them in, in, our, in my presence. Because who does he give grace to? And grace is the only means whereby I can make adjustments. I can't make the adjustment from my position into my experience through pride, through thinking I'm something because I can quote this. So what? You know there are geniuses that don't believe in God, that they have a photographic memory in their genius and they could quote this better than the sweet person who knows the love of God. Way better. Way better. 
And how many of this way? Listen. Now here is 1 John 4 verse 4. You are of God little children. You know when it says little children here? If you see that, you're going to see that word little children. It's technia. It's T-E-K-I-A. Technia. This is Koine Greek New Testament. The language the Holy Spirit gave to men to record. Listen to this. And you know, we can profess these things privately in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. I can profess them privately. I can become a self-interpreter, I think so, of the things of Christ? No way. It's not happening. No, it doesn't happen that way at all. You see, I can go to Italy and experience it. Or I haven't been there and I try and declare it to you. Which one do you want? Which one do you want? And that again is 1 John 1, 1 through 3. That which was from the beginning. We've seen it. We've touched it. We've handled it. It's a very personal exchange. You see, God is not a religious God, by the way. I want to make that crystal clear through the scriptures. He's not a religious God. He's a God of intimate relationship based upon his desire to love us. And that's why he had to give us his son. Because his son is the only one that could please him. In John 8, 29 and Romans 15 and verse 3. He's the only one that ever pleased him. And now that we receive him, we function in the pleasure. In Revelations 4, verse 11, we see why we were and how we were created in Christ. Because in Isaiah 50, 43 and verse 7, we were created for his glory. Who's the only one that ever glorified Christ, the Father? Who, who in the whole Bible only glorified the Father? It was Jesus Christ, listen to this, himself alone. So we were created for his glory in the sense that we were created in Christ in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. And then for his pleasure, we were created for his pleasure in, in Revelations 4 and verse 11. Revelations 4 and verse 11. This is a sweet little note for my friend Mike Fenton. <laughs> and so what we see, we were created for his glory and created for his pleasure. Let me ask you this. Who's the only one that ever glorified him? The Father. Well, John 13, 35 and 30, uh, 31 and 32 make it crystal clear. In, in John 17, verses 4 and 5, it was Christ and him alone. Who was the only one that ever pleased him? Come on. The only one who ever pleased him was Christ. That's right. And it pleases him when we trust him fully for what he's done. And this is what this is going into here. You are of God, little children. Technia. Now, the, any local assembly is made up, we have said in 1 John 2, 12 to 14, of babes, newly come, not only in terms of salvation. I could be 80 years old and miss all this truth. Babes, young men, and spiritual dads. But that's 1 John 2, 12 to 14. But also, in Galatians 3, in verse 26, it says, we are all children of God. We are all his technia. In our growth, whether we're spiritual dads, young men, or babes. <laughs> we are all children of God. And that's why even in 1 John 2.1, where, where John the Apostle, and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through him as a vessel, says, My little children, technias, see that you sin not. That's a translation. The Greek says you don't have to sin. Sin is in the will, just like love. Love is not a feeling. Love is in the will. God chose to love us who he is. It was a choice. Love is a choice. 
It has to do with obedience. Sin is a choice which has to do with disobedience. You are of, of God, little children, technias, and have overcome them. Overcome everything. Romans eight thirty seven. We are more than what? Conquerors. Because who overcame everything for us? Christ did. Again, that's Romans eight thirty one to 39 right here in 1 John 4, 4. Because greater is he that is in you. I may, God may see me in Christ positionally as the greatness of who he's made me to be in him. But do I experience it? Or do I just profess it? Do I? Bible makes it crystal clear. The local assembly is where we get our learning. I'm going to make that crystal clear in the scriptures. Something we told people a good amount of years ago. As we are all being taught. <laughs> Remember, the Holy Spirit is the teacher. Okay? We're vessels. We all have a place to occupy in a local assembly. But we're just vessels of that treasure. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. That's in us. He's the treasure in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. And that's Colossians 2 and verse 3. Because greater is he that is in you than he, the enemy, Satan, that is in his whole world system. You see. Oh boy, how the enemy likes to divide Christians, doesn't he? Get them. First he has to scatter them. And this is John 10 and verse 12. He gets them to scatter in their own thoughts. Bad teaching, no teaching, scatters them. And then there's divisions that are caused. You know, some say I'm Baptist, some say I'm Presbyterian, some say I'm Congregationalist, some say I'm Pentecostal, some say, you know, some say whatever. You know, in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 12, some say I'm of Paulus, of Paul, some of Paulus, some of Cephas, Peter, and some don't need anybody at all. Is Christ divided? Did he see that? How does Christ get divided in us? When he's not the full thought, the enemy scatters us in our thinking. Verse 5, they are of the world, Satan's world, of. Their, the whole makeup and constitution in their thought life is of the world. Therefore speak they of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He that knows us hears us. He that is not of God hears us not. Now this all has to do with experiencing Love in our experience based upon us being placed and positioned in Christ. Hereby know we the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, and the spirit of error. Beloved, whoa, he's reminding us again. Listen, beloved, you are loved. You're in Christ, you're loved. Beloved, let us, listen, love one another. Oh, Baptists can't love the Methodists. Methodists can't love the Wesleyan. Oh, and on and on and it goes. Really? The fellowship is based upon Christ, not private interpretation. Again, in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Did we see that? That's why we say God is love. Love, <laughs> you can't define what love is outside of God because God is love. Love is of God, meaning it's, just, it's the constitution of his very nature, character, and essence. Love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God. They have that new nature in them functioning and knows God. He that loves not 
knows not God, for God is love. That can mean this, that I may be positioned in the Son of his love, Colossians 1 and verse 13, safe in his Son, accepted positionally in Ephesians 1, 6, but yet not experience him. Not experience him. So then in that sense, he that loves not, what? Knows not God. Remember what 1 Corinthians 13 verse 2 says, without love I am what? Nothing. Now, is that who we are in Christ? No. We have everything because Christ is everything. But can, can that be my improper experience? And then if the enemy convinces me now and tells me what my image is based upon a lie, father of all lies in John 8 verse 44, tells me that, then what? We said this morning, Gene and I, we had a, a little conversation around the coffee and so forth, getting things ready, and it was beautiful. And she brought up significance and how it works with humility. And this is what I love, and I have to learn this constantly, by the way. Because of our upbringing, without blaming anyone, but because of our upbringing, based upon the lie of the enemy, that God somehow ties his love to us based upon how I perform. He, God never ties his love to my performance. He tied it to his, Christ, his son Christ in John 10, 10 and verse 14. He did it once and he did it forever. So, but if you, through bad teaching, no teaching, privately interpreting it in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, then if, if God tied his love to how I would perform, then is there any significance Meaning, is there any value? Do I even know who I am? No. And that's why it says in 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 2, okay, without love, I'm nothing. That's what the enemy's constantly projecting to us. See, you failed, you're nothing. See, you compare yourself to this person. You come up short. I see, you're nothing. The lie. Are we all equal in Christ? Is it the same life? Let's use the simple examples. I take the picture. What is the pitcher but the vessel? What is the pitcher without the hand that takes it? Puts it under the spigot, pours the water in it, then takes five glasses and pours that water into each glass. You want to tell each glass. You want to tell me what the difference is in each one? Same source. Same exact source. Same love that he's pouring out. That's Romans 5 5. Love makes not ashamed. Love doesn't accuse us that we're guilty and we're condemned. There is no condemnation to them in Romans 8, 1, that are in Christ. Never. Never, ever. Oh, never, never. <laughs> never, ever, never. <laughs> never. Because the love of God, the King James says, is poured out. The Greek says, is poured out without measure. Meaning, sometimes we're taught through our own thinking and so forth. Thank God he doesn't rely on how we think about him. He relies on how he thinks about us and he doesn't think about us outside the love that his son is that they have for us together with the Holy Spirit proceeding from both. Because love makes not a shame because the love of God is poured out without measure. And the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes because of our own thinking, we mix our thoughts with God's thoughts. We go with a need and that's why we prayed this morning. We go with the need and we're like Oliver Twist, you know. May I have more, sir? Afraid to ask for seconds. 
may I have more? And afraid that he might (laughs) punish us. We come to God with a thimble and he pours the ocean on us. And we're standing there with a thimble full and we're soaked in his love. That's what Romans 5.5 brings out in the original. The love of God is poured out is poured out upon us. And that love is the thing that leads us through all these trials to bring out the gold that Christ is in us in 1 Peter 1 and verse 7 in Job 23 and verse 10. Job said in the midst of his, tri- his trials, I know that when I'm tried, I'll come out as gold. And gold speaks of the deity and speaks of the love that Christ is in each one of us. And there's no difference None whatsoever. And so when you have that significance, okay? So in Romans 13, verse 3, if I have not love, it profits me what? Nothing. Where is my profit? All my profit doesn't have to do with my own thoughts, with private interpretation. It has to do with God's thought. And so, again, this morning as we begin to wrap this up, and I want to, I will get into the class portion of this tomorrow. <laughs> Because really, honestly, what I would like to do is I want to get into the tense, the mood, the case of the voice of the original. Listen, if I can understand those things, guarantee you, you can too. That's the truth of the matter. Because God never would have given us the the Koine Greek New Testament. And even if I can't, even if I haven't got the gift of the skill to do it properly in humility by grace, then he will give you and I someone, if we're intreatable, and, and want to be responsible and accountable to him. We can understand it. And that simply means as we grow, we can think just like God does. And it starts with each of us personally and goes right towards, goes back to him and right out to everyone else. And how does it go back to him? Second Corinthians 4 and verse 15, all things are for your sake, that the thanksgiving, that's how I know I'm being loved and experience it, thank, thankful, that the thanksgiving may redound. Redound means go right back to the glory of God. And how does that? By how we love each other. That goes right back to him. And it's like that sweet odor of the sacrificial love that goes back to him. That's the evidence of Christ in the experience in the individual. Did you know that everything that Jesus did, he did for you and I individually? Individually. He took into consideration every single thing about us. And when it says he finished the work, He did every single thing about us. And his plan, the eternal mind of God through Christ, Father, Son, together in Acts 2.23, and the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, he had every single one of us in mind. Foreknowing that everything that would happen to us, how we grew up, what we did to ourselves, what others did to us, he had a plan for it and fulfilled it in the Son of his love. We're going to see that, and we'll see it very beautifully tomorrow as we bring the, the truth out of particular words in, in the English and translations and the, how beautifully they're brought out here. So as we close, I'll just finish reading this and then we'll stop. Listen, we are of God, not based upon what we could do, but everything that he done. You see, God only does in us what he's already finished and performed about us. That's why it says in Job 23 and verse 14, listen, he performs the thing that he requires. He does it. So beautiful. Oh boy, so amazing.
And he has many such things also. And that's Psalm 138, verse 8, with Job 23 and verse 14. And that's why what he does with us in Job 23 and verse 16, the Almighty troubles me. And that means the trouble, God doesn't cause it, but he uses the trouble of the enemy to make our heart, our minds, our wills penetrable, soft, so that the penetration of who Christ is in us who we are in him positionally can enter into our experience. Then I can say, I can do all things through Christ. And Philippians 4.13, which makes me mighty because they're all the riches. The one need is met by the illimitless riches of Christ in Philippians 4 and verse 19. So, beloved, let us love one another because in 1 John 4.6, Hereby know that we are of, of the spirit of truth this, and, and the spirit of error. Here's how we know the difference. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God, experiences this new life, not just born again over and over again. Some teach that you can lose your salvation. Bible never teaches that. How do you know that? Well, read John 6, 37 to 39. Read John 10, 28 and 29. Read Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 14. Whatsoever God does, he does forever. No one can tear us out. He that comes to God, he will in no wise cast out. The only way to come to him in Matthew eleven twenty-seven, 27, in John 6, 44 and 65, is through the Father and the Son that are one in John 10, 30. No one can separate us. You can't be separated from God's love for you positionally. Now he has to work it into you experientially. You see, like children, like little babies, you, you growing them up in love and they begin to mature. And the greater dependence upon you, the greater learning and ability to be able to have an exchange in a relationship. So beautiful. And, and, and everyone, because he that loves is born of God and knows God. You see, how do I know? Listen. In measure, in measure, and we're all learning this. In one sense, we're all technias compared to what we're going to get in eternity future. We're all technias, every one of us. Come on. We can't do anything without Jesus in John 15, 1 to 5. Yeah? We, can, we can't. We can do nothing without him. But just think, just think. We're, headed, we're heading to a place where there'll never in heaven that will never be again a disturbance or a distraction from that love, from us experiencing it. Because we will see him in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, face to face. And our own personal fellowship with him brought out in Revelations 2 and 17. So everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God. For God is love. I can declare everything about the love of God. But is it operating Am I operating in it based upon my true character? In 1 John 1, 7. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because the cause, you see God's the cause, everything else is an effect in Christ. With every cause there's an effect. We call that natural laws. It's not supernatural. Okay, You don't use science to understand the Bible. When you understand the Bible, the science, the proper interpretation of things and understanding, then you understand science. Then you don't believe in evolution and all this other silly, ridiculous nonsense. <laughs> 
And this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only uniquely one-of-a-kind begotten sons into this world system of Satan that we might live, experience this life that is ours through him. Here in his love. Listen. Here in his love. Who is love? God. Not that we loved God. But he loved us and sent his son, the propitiation for our sins, those that are in Christ. Beloved, if God so loved us, and this is what we'll get to tomorrow, we ought, we're going to go into the word ought tomorrow, we ought to love one another. We ought to love one another because no man has seen God at any time. Did you know that? We've seen God through Christ in John 14, 9. Yes, but even the angels. Because in John 1, verse 18, where it says, no, no man has ever seen God at any time. It doesn't say that in the original. It says, no created being has ever seen God in all his fullness. No created angel, fallen or unfallen, has ever seen God in all his fullness because he inhabits eternity. <laughs> Isaiah 57, verse 15. But we'll, that's why for all eternity, in Ephesians 3, and verse 19, we're going to grow in love. It's so amazing when we think about it. No man has seen God at any time. No created being has ever seen God in all his fullness except Jesus Christ. He came out to reveal him to us. If we love one another, think about this. If we love one another in our growth, in 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, God is dwelling in us. Wow. And his love is completed in us as we grow in each completion of it for all eternity. All eternity. Father, we thank you so much for the beauty of your love. Who you are, your nature, your character in essence. And that love is a just love. You can't separate love from justice and justice from love. They're one. You can't separate anything about who God is in his nature and character because it's one in John 17, 11, 21, and 22. Father, thank you so much for your word. And we so look forward to everything that you already have for us in the full, and as we grow a little bit at a time, as we grow in the full completeness of it. Thank you, Father, for this precious word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.